0: This meeting
1: is being recorded. Hello everyone, thank you so much for joining us for today's AIAA Los Angeles Las Vegas section uh, EE Town Hall meeting. We have wonderful, wonderful, very amazing uh, artists today with us, very renowned uh, women's space artists. And uh, it's going to be very exciting, lots of fun. So please enjoy. Uh, But before that, we have a a very short uh, clip from our uh, executive director, Dan Dan Barker. Uh, a few words about AI, AIWA. Uh, so just uh, while we're waiting for more people to to, to join us, so uh, enjoy. Hi,
2: I'm Emma
3: Chow,
4: and welcome to
1: AIWA. We're shaping the future of aerospace.
0: Hello, I'm Dan Dumbacher. Welcome to AIWA. We are the world's largest aerospace professional society, connecting 30,000 members around the globe. Our members are shaping the future of aerospace and
5: driving global innovation. The best.
4: Hello, my name is
5: Maria Gonzalez.
4: I'm Andrea Yatsko. I'm Elina Petro. Hi, I'm Mr. Rusty. Hi, I'm Emma
6: Chow, And Hello, welcome
1: to, to AIAA. We're shaping the future of aerospace. All right. Uh, so that's the short introduction. So now I'm going to uh, turn this over to our wonderful leader in aerospace and also uh, aerospace uh, space art, uh, Michelle uh, Michelle Roush. Uh, so Michelle is well, all yours.
3: Thank you, thank you, Ken. Hello, everybody, and my name is Michelle Roush, and I will be your moderator today for the Women in Space Art Grand Opening Virtual Art Exhibition. This is a reception and grand opening of the very first virtual art gallery of all the women you. artists. All yeah. the artists are exhibiting in this show are members of International Association of Astronomical Artists. This is truly an international uh, show because we are streaming artists from across the United States, the, the United Kingdom and Malaysia. Uh, There are a total of 13 artists in this show and you will hear stories from several, uh, hopefully we'll have about eight artists and hearing their inspirational stories in creating their work. Uh, I would like also to thank AIAA Los Angeles and Las Vegas section, especially Ken Liu. We couldn't do this without you in hosting and creating this beautiful virtual art gallery and making it available to the public. We know that March is known for National Women's History Month. And Ken, Ken, did you know, you just created a moment in history by offering the very first all women's virtual art show with the genre of space art. And thank you for giving us a voice.
1: My pleasure, honor, anytime.
3: (laughs) Um, I also wanna thank the guests for joining us today and you will hear stories from these artists and this will be a two hour session and you will have an Maybe. opportunity to offer a question during the chat and I will be looking at the chat and we'll also have a Q&A session at the end. So uh, we have several artists here and I'm gonna go in alphabetical order. And this is an image of our 13 artists and this is really beautiful and I'm seeing that the, it will last until May seven. That's wonderful. So if we, we could walk to, there's a, I, I, Adriana Allen is not here today, but she has a piece of artwork in the show. And uh, some of the artists, they're all, very, we're all very busy uh, people. And uh, this art piece is uh, called The Light in the Dark. And that's beautiful. She's she's not streaming in, and um, uh, I just wanted to give her the a, a stage of her art. And it's beautiful. So the next one uh, is uh, Patty Avalon. So if you could unmute your mic. I'm going to introduce her uh, with her bio. Patty Avalon has a Master of Fine Arts from Indiana University. She has created everything from commercial uh, murals to illustrated children's books. She taught at the college level and worked for the National Gallery of Art. Since 2017, she has been painting nebulas, galaxy, planets, and deep space. New worlds have opened up to us on Earth thanks to telescopes, oh yeah, and space travel. These expanded views present new sources of light and distance and subject matters that will become a new land space scape. I love this. Um, Patty has professional art studio gallery in Virginia where she shares her passion for painting space and also teaches painting classes. She sells her paintings and prints online and in the gallery. So if you
7: could please welcome Patty, looking forward. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. That was a lovely intro. And thank you, Ken, for um, putting all of this together and anybody else that I I don't want to forget anybody, and Aldo uh, for sponsoring this. So it's a real honor to be with this group and um, particularly with my membership to the um, IAAA. I'm a relatively new member. I came in about a year ago or a little over a year ago and meeting the the artists and the people who are part of that group has opened up a whole new world for me as an artist. So I'll tell you a little bit about my interest in space art and how it developed. And I'm interested in everybody else's story as well. But I was thinking, where did it all start for me? And I realized that I grew up in the 80s. And at that time, Carl Sagan and Ann Druyan, his wife, had created the Cosmos television series on PBS. And in fact, it is one of the most watched series ever in the history of television. And um, back in the 80s, I went, wow, this is something that is speaking to humans. I mean, it was opening up a world that was a bit of a mystery for many of us, but the way Carl and Anne wrote the scripting and the introduction to space exploration it had a a real human element to it. And one of the things that struck me was that in 1980, when that series was created, that was the middle of the Cold War. And they were both very aware of the nuclear arms that were proliferating in the world at that time. And by looking at other planets like Venus and Mars and looking at their atmospheres, um, these two people brought up the point that should we ever have a nuclear winter, this is what might happen to our precious planet. And I thought, isn't that interesting that right now, we are kind of thinking about those things again and the preciousness of life on this planet. And now with a lot more exploration, um, particularly headed towards Mars, it just makes it a lot more personal. So I think as a young woman, It was Cosmos that really got me interested in space. So if we come up a little bit more, (laughs) quite a few years, like five years ago, I got interested in actually painting space subjects. Now, I've been an artist all of my life. I've painted everything from landscapes to murals to um, portraits to still lives. And it started with a gentleman who called me who owned a think tank up in Washington, D.C., And he called and he said, can you paint a picture of the Milky Way for me? Um, I really need the Milky Way in my office. And I went, well, I've never done it before, but I'll give it a try. I'll do my best. And I did it and I loved it. And so I've done a lot of Milky Ways since then. And um, what I'm finding is that I don't want to take, I don't want to duplicate the images that we're seeing coming from our explorations in space now. I mean, I think they're beautiful as they are. And so what I like to do is add a little bit of my own emotional signature and interpretation to the subject matter. And that was one thing that Carl Sagan also said that we have an opportunity to combine dreams with facts now. And meaning that human beings are always dreaming about space where there's our roots, there's where we come from, it's where are we going to go in the future? And so for me now, the last five years, that has been the main focus of my artwork. Um, And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing what comes from the James Webb telescope imagery. I think that's gonna open up a whole new thing for us as well. But having painted landscapes from earth scenes I realized there's a big difference in painting spacescapes and particularly because of the light. Um, as a plein air painter or a painter here on earth, there's atmospheric conditions that create a certain look about the light that we experience on the earth. And one of the challenges for me has been how to paint the light in outer space because all the factors are different. So that's kind of my fascination and it's what I'm um, having a lot of fun with also playing around with different technical things to finally get that uh, way of interpreting that's very personal for me. So that's kind of it.
3: <laughs> Patty, this is Thank awesome. You. Having that personal connection and trying to figure out how do you paint light? And, <laughs> and that's, yes. that, that's your artistic expressionism and, and um, that is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank uh, you. pulling that forward. Um, and, and we, we have, uh, people coming in and, uh, we welcome them and there will be, uh, questions that can be, uh, posted in the chat. If you have any questions for Patty and, uh, we do have a whole group of people coming in and I see that Marilyn joined us. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, and, um, we could go to the next one. How about that? Let's let's okay. go to um, uh, Jennifer Ben, and let me introduce you uh, to Jennifer. Jennifer, she is an artist painter. Um, works uh, her works uh, examines technology and the effect of technology on the world through the research of drawing, painting, and visually as and socially examining computers, rockets, uh, space shuttles remote control and other sci-fi images and their space in this time, she seeks to comprehend them better and to represent them for the viewer in a revealed vision. It is through visual interpretation that Ben hopes to reawaken our senses and minds to notice how technology has changed and is changing the world. In Ben's view, chaos and order, creation and destruction and recreation are the connection between painting art and technology. Thank you. And Jennifer, take it
8: away. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Can you uh, hear me okay? Thank you. Uh, I'm at work, so I'm using my phone. this piece is titled um, Vostok 6 Valentina Supernova, and it's an homage to uh, one of the first women who went into space, Valentina Tereshkova. Um, I uh, painted this painting um, about her. Uh, it's basically a diagram of her uh, space capsule, return capsule, overlaid with some other images and colors that I use symbolically to, I hope, tell the story a little better. Um, there's some Russian Cyrillic if you uh, pinch and look closely under the resting astronaut. Um, and then, of course, uh, it says the name of her ship, Vostok 6, at the bottom. Um, and also her code name, which was Chaika or uh, Seagull, which I lots of parts of the story that I hadn't heard as an American. I heard all about, um, I live in New Hampshire in the United States, and we hear all about Alan Shepard, which is a great story too. But I hadn't heard about. Valentina Tereshkova. So this piece is uh, sort of like uh, my record of what I learned about her trip back in uh, 1960, in the 1960s. She was very young um, and there were actually five or six different Russian cosmonaut women training for the program. Um, And she was selected uh, mostly because of her parachute experience. That's what I have a little symbolic parachute at the top. Um, And that leads to an even more Uh, interesting cover-up. There are a lot of cover-ups in the early Russian stories that you have to dig to find. I mean, I'm sure everyone here is aware of a lot of those stories, but uh, as an artist, I hadn't heard about them. And and one of them that I found interesting was that there was a rule early on that the early astronauts and cosmonauts were supposed to land in their return capsule. not sure why that rule was important. But the uh, the Russian scientists said, yeah, that's gonna be hard and that's gonna be dangerous. So they actually ejected the cosmonauts um, about four miles up in the air before they returned to earth. And then they would parachute down and they would be collected uh, and brought back to their spaceship as if they had landed in their, in their capsule, um, which I thought was uh, amusing to hear about the uh, the cover up. And also, you know, it does actually sound safer. I'm not sure how hard the landing going to be. Um, and Valentina, uh, again, was like 24, 25 years old when she did this. Her mother didn't even know she was going up, which I also thought was hilarious. They had to phone her and say, yeah, your daughter just came back from space. And they said, no, no, she's at parachute Street School. Um, so uh, and again, lots of other things they covered up. The Russians covered up a lot of secrets for a long time. Um, including one of my favorite ones is they forgot to put her return instructions into the computers. So she's up in the capsule. She realizes they've uh, put the wrong directions in for her to actually come back to earth. So <laughs> luckily they were able to send them and she got back safely. Um, but it's a, it's a fascinating story. Lots of details to be known. Um, and uh, And I'm just really interested in general about a lot of the unknown stories of women in the space program. So I have another piece about the Mercury 13, um, which I know is a term that came later. Um, They weren't actually called that originally, but it's another fascinating story about American women training, or at least being tested. Uh, American very accomplished pilots who were interested in being part of the American space program at the same time that Valentina is in space for three days they were being shut down um, by the American uh, government and by the other American male astronauts saying, nope, it's a man's dominion and it's it's their choice. And of course, Valentina's in space for three days, longer than all the American astronauts combined at that time. Uh, so that's proving that uh, yeah, your gender has nothing to do with the issue of being an astronaut or a cosmonaut. So that keeps me going and these positive stories. And of course, you know, Wally Funk finally getting to space, she was one of the Mercury 13. Um, and I was listening to um, the last speaker's question about how you got into space art. And uh, for me, it was a lifelong love of sci-fi and uh, you know, both Star Trek and Star Wars, love them both. And I've uh, you know, seeing these images in um, books and television shows for a long time, but it wasn't until I went to graduate school, uh, before that I had paintings about different topics, um, usually things that reflected something going on in my life. Uh, travels or other things I was interested in. But when I was in graduate school at Syracuse, one of the art history teachers said, I want you to write a paper on the most American artist you can think of. And I chose Andy Warhol. Um, Andy Warhol, of course, being an immigrant, um, really fascinated with um, fame and uh, being in the commercial fields, putting on a show. um, I thought that was very American. But what struck me was how some of his images were icons for not only his life, like the soup can, but icons for the time period. He chose images that were symbols of the 1960s and et cetera. Um, So I looked at my own work and said, what would be an icon for me for right now? This was 1991 through 94, I was in graduate school. And I thought, okay, I'm gonna choose the computer. Now, I'm, I'm actually communicating to you now on my phone, so obviously we've come a long way. But in 1992, when I first started painting um, technology, or 91 actually, not everybody had their own um, laptop or their own personal computer. Uh, most of my faculty did not. Um, my husband um, at that time, boyfriend, did have one, and, and I made the switch from you know electric typewriter to Apple II. So I had one, but most of my friends didn't. And again, it's, it, my point back then was this, this technology, this computer is what's going on right now. And as a person from Gen X, I can see what came before during the change. And now it's ubiquitous and everywhere. Everyone, I mean, again, I'm communicating through the airwaves on my cell phone, which is uh, pretty amazing and and the spiritual exhibit also pretty amazing technology and it wasn't that long before my paintings of um the insides of computers uh microchips and and disk drives and things then made the jump to uh rockets and shuttles and things like that so it's it's been a lifelong uh, learning experience for me i love it just keeps me fascinated all the time to to find out new stories about uh, the space program and what's going on. I'm I'm really excited to have another woman go back to, or excuse me, go back into space, but also finally get to the moon with the Artemis program and the space launch system, which would be fantastic. Um, And um, I'm still working and learning um, about women in the space program and also just the space program in general. So uh, thank you again for having me. I hope that wasn't too rambly. I'm caffeinated. Oh, no,
3: not at all, not at all, Jennifer. You are a, a wonderful inspiration, and I really like when you uh, talked about your symbolism with the parachute. And uh, I, I really see the space industry having that uh, joint collaboration between the two nations. And I am very grateful. Uh, that we've had that strong standing and I just, I want it back. We all want it back. We need to press forward with humanity and um, art helps. Art helps uh, bring that forward. And of course with uh, Mercury 13 in honoring those women to risk their lives and reputation to do that. I I value uh, meeting uh, Wally and I'm, I'm very happy that uh, she had gone into space. <laughs> <laughs> very happy. Thank you so much. And uh, next up, um, uh, does anybody have any questions for Jennifer uh, through the chat? If you have any, please provide them. That would be great. Um, thank you. And so next up, Marilyn Flynn. She is just north of me. About, what, four-hour drive? Uh, a short four-hour drive. Um, thank you so much for dialing in. I was getting nervous. Uh, She is a professional space-based astronomical artist who merges her artistic talent with a lifelong passion for space exploration. Her art blends science facts with informed uh, imagination and portrays her desire to explore other planets. Marilyn's works have been published and exhibited all over the world. She travels to amazing places seeking inspirational inspiration and reference material for her art. And her works are in acrylic, pencil, digital and fiber media. Her digital art is painted brush stroke by brush stroke like traditional media except done with on a tablet and pen and not generated by software. She is a fellow and mind you, founding member of this organization, International Association of Astronomical Artists. Please welcome Marilyn Flynn. Thank
9: you. Um, yeah, I guess I'm the old timer here today. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, uh, this, this painting is uh, a scene, um, I, I do mostly all, space landscapes now, and based on places that I've visited where I see analogs to geology on other planets, um, whether it's an actual analog or just something that looks like the the same situation. Um, This painting is based on um, an area in Iceland called Thingvellir, where the North American and Eurasian plates are separating. And uh, here I've translated it to represent a fracture on Europa where some cryovolcanoes are erupting. Um, the, um, the coloration on this is uh, the, the ice on Europa uh, gets irradiated by sunlight and turns a kind of a brown color. So that's the, what you see on the top there. And this is in the southern hemisphere of Europa. So that's why Jupiter's red spot is at the top. Um, We went to Iceland on an IAA workshop uh, back in the 80s and just kind of blew my mind with all the geology there. It was so weird, so otherworldly looking, yet we were still on Earth. So it provided a lot of analogues for me for paintings that I did since then. the uh, I actually went back there a few years later because it was just so so beautiful, I, I had to uh, spend more time there. Um, so, um, I, I got my start. Um, I grew up with the space age, I wanted to be an astronaut, and back then there were no women astronauts, there were no women role models to even want to be an astronaut, and so I didn't get any encouragement for that desire to, to pursue aviation or space or anything like that. Uh, however, I was the kind of kid who was scribbling on walls with crayons and everything and that got encouraged. So as I grew up into my art career, I ended up merging my, my love of space um, with um, my art talents. Uh, I started off going to science fiction conventions where I saw a lot of really bad drawings of Mr. Spock and things. <laughs> and eventually, I hooked up with some people who were doing space landscapes. Um, I met Kim Poor, And, uh, and I realized that um, people were doing this as a career as a living. And uh, so that was kind of a, a big shocker to me to finally hook up with people that had the same mindset I did. At that time, I'd been working professionally in theater, and I just kind of hit the brakes and said, No, this is my true love is portraying scenes of other planets, uh, letting people know these are places we can actually go and visit. It's not science fiction, it's real. And so I went back to college and brushed up on my, I'd been painting very large scenes for theater and everything. So I went back to learn how to paint uh, traditional paintings, landscapes and stuff. And um, and about that time, um, I hooked up with the beginnings of the IAAA the first Death Valley workshop was put together, or it wasn't Death Valley; it was actually Hawaii first. Yeah, uh, again, another place that was um, just again blew my mind with beautiful scenery that I translated into a whole lot of space art paintings. And so I just kept going from there. Um, uh, I've uh, I've been kind of trying to stick to my my conceit of not painting a landscape unless I've been to that location on earth so that I can put my own emotional impact into what I saw in my own translation of the landscape and the feeling that I had when I was there seeing it with my own eyes. Um, And then of course, um, as uh, Patty mentioned, you have to take into consideration when you're translating these things uh, the fact that these are much smaller bodies, the, the horizons are small, there's no atmosphere. Um, and so there's all those considerations when you're when you're doing a space landscape that you can't just take an earth landscape and reproduce it exactly. So that's about what I've got.
3: Marilyn, I tell you, you really do put the emotions into your art because what you don't see when I am at University of Arizona and your artwork is exhibited there, they really enjoy the scientific facts that you pull forward and understanding what people can't see. Also, there are other uh, IAAA artists as well in Tucson. However, you have that level of emotions and you blend that in to understand how it is on that surface let's say Europa or somewhere else and it takes a great deal of imagination working and collaborating with other scientists and how they interpret what it is on other worlds and gaining gaining that enthusiasm and just keep growing and going and and I really I'm I'm so glad that you also mentioned about role models. Role models is the key of getting more people, more girls into whatever fields role models. If we're not there, they can't see themselves there. And and you had to push forward and and take take a jump, take a leap of faith to see, am I going to be welcomed? And yeah, the IAA are a bunch of crazy fun people and they eat, orange food. So be prepared to eat only orange food available uh, when you're at um, workshops. It's it yeah, it's fun. And so um, I know the next one is Death Valley. Is that correct?
9: Yeah, we're, we're trying to do something. I'm not sure that there's much uh, planned for it yet. Uh, it's just kind of in the talking phase right now. But um, it again is a wonderful place with loads of Martian analogs and um, I look forward to go back there and and uh, get some more good um, reference materials and um, yeah, you know, like what you said, uh, there was no women role models for anything. When I when I met the group, the IAAA that became the IAAA, everybody was very welcoming and um, there again, there was only me, Pam Lee, um, a couple of women, so it was mostly men but but I never felt uh, in the, in our group that there that, that was any uh, restraint uh, about joining the group or being a professional space artist, which was a really great thing.
3: Amen, they're, they're, they're great and I look forward. I know I'm, I'm leading the effort for the workshop. so mark that in your calendar. I'm not sure when. Um, I gladly lead it, um, and uh, we'll, we'll figure out when, because uh, we are all hungry to get
9: together. Thanks very much. So I'll get back out, boots on the ground, feet in the dirt, and all that, and, and get together with everybody, <laughs> too, just to feed off of everybody and, and get ideas and, and uh, back with humanity. again. Right?
3: Yeah, it's it, it, I can't wait. I, I'm a people person, and I and I realize I love people. So, um, the thank you so much. Is there any questions for? And if you could put in the chat, uh, if there are any questions for uh, Marilyn, uh, please post that. And uh, we're 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 gonna go forward. And who is who is up? Is it Robin Hart? That my alphabet soup. Robin and Robin is here so let me let me uh, share with you Robin's bio and she's a board of trustees so um this is this is really exciting for the IAAA so she says I have had a lifelong love of space and the space program has been using that to inspiration for over 40 years I have created space art in many medias but I am doing the majority of my space pieces today as art quilts. If you haven't seen her art quilts in person, they, it, blows, it blows me away. I am currently working on a multiple, multi-year project to create a series of deep space object art quilts using images from NASA's Hubble telescope as the inspiration. I have been concentrating on portraying nebula and galaxies and am also integrating my digital work into some of them. I have been in two national exhibitions at the Space Center Houston for NASA's 60th anniversary of of space flight and uh, 2021 when it was at the National Museum of the United States Air Force. Please welcome
0: Robin Hart. Thank you. Um, I'll give you a, a little bit of a background on this particular piece, which is a bubble nebula. It's my latest in in this series, my seventh. Um, and uh, I chose I chose the bubble nebula as as this subject not only just because of its its beauty, but because it's like a bubble of light against the darkness of space. Um, and this truly was my pandemic quilt. Um, uh, it, the piece, I, and what I do is, uh, especially with my newer ones, this is one of the newer part of my series where I'm actually painting digitally, um, tradigital, which, um, like Marilyn Flynn was mentioning, I use a graphics tablet, and, and I work in Adobe Photoshop, and I um, this one was done at full size, which took forever to paint, months, <laughs> um, and to do all the um, uh, painting portion of it. And then um, when that's finished, then I have that output on a large format printer on cotton cloth. And then um, I put it together as a quilt and then start doing all of the work um, to, uh, and I use a sewing machine and, and it's called free motion quilting. And I use very, very detailed. Um, uh, I, I wouldn't even want to count how much thread went into this particular piece, but uh, you, you can't see it so much on the wall here. But the separation of threading is like um, an, less than an eighth of an inch apart, and that's and all over the entire piece. And um, I probably used about 20 or 30 colors of thread um, in this piece. Um, and uh, so. Uh, anyhow, but um, so that's where I'm doing more of my later, uh, the last few pieces in, in my series. The first one were done uh, more as a traditional type quilting where I was actually sewing pieces together um, and I was doing kind of a grid system that was kind of demonstrating the pixelation of the data of the zeros and ones that come back to us from, from our uh, Hubble telescope and, and other spacecraft that are out there taking. Digital images of the cosmos. And um, kind of give you a background. I've pretty much been an artist since uh, I was about three years old, and uh, my talent began to emerge, and my parents noticed it. And they, you know, uh, fed, fed my love of that with crayons and, and the kinds of things that young children use. And also at the same time, I'm definitely another child of the space age. My father was very interested in the whole space program. And with literally in those days, there was no such thing as computers or DVRs. So our little black and white television at two in the morning, if that's when NASA was launching something from the Cape, and we were living in Los Angeles, we got up at two in the morning and watched the rocket go up. And so I um, in fact, one of my earliest memories is uh, standing on the lawn when we lived in the East Coast and watching Sputnik go overhead and all the neighbors were outside, amazing at it. Um, so as as I grew up and when I got into college, I started, uh, of course, I, I was an art major, but I was also very fascinated with astronomy and took astronomy classes. And suddenly the, the two things began to merge. And although I had done a lot of traditional art in all my classes. Um, uh, Suddenly uh, I had one teacher in a a drawing class when I uh, migrated over to USC and she said, draw what you have a passion about and and, or paint or whatever you wanna express yourself. And suddenly I realized that was space and it was like an explosion. Um, I started doing space art in just about every medium that I could possibly work in, pencil, watercolor, um, it I was my first introduction with Nebulae. I was doing I was doing watercolors, you know, and and of course before Hubble, there was less uh, sophisticated um, images that came back. But I was so blown away by that, and also uh, extraterrestrial um, escapes as as the. Um, probes were going to Jupiter, uh, and I mean, Mars, and the moon, and, and Jupiter, um, some of the early Voyager, and things, I was inspired by that, and I did a lot of pencil, color pencil drawings of that, um, eventually, I migrated into gouache and acrylic, and I started doing sort of surrealistic type art, um, I did have uh, uh, one woman show at the Griffith Observatory when I was 23 years old in my senior year. And, and I was the first artist to exhibit there. Uh, and I had about, uh, so that was kind of a, a neat thing. And they had a whole series of artists exhibiting in that space uh, after that, after me. Um, and I did another one two years later, another all-woman show on um, called Planet Fall. And it was all on, on the planetscapes and things that I had done in color pencil and pencil. Um, later on, like I said, I, I was very um, inspired by Ludic Pesek, who used to do a lot of National Geographic uh, work. So then my, my work became very surrealistic. Um, and I've, I've migrated over the years. And then, of course, when digital became a, a reality, we had uh, uh, the computer software suddenly caught up with my ability to paint. Um, I started working in Adobe Photoshop with graphics tablets and... Um, and I, I began to express myself that way. And then, about 2011, a good friend of mine um, said, "You you need to be an art quilter." And I go, well, "Why? I've never done <laughs> hardly any quilting." And and she said, "No, you're coming into this group, and and it's a group of artist quilters, and you're going to you're going to do that." And I did. And all of a sudden, my whole world just kind of came together. And I did my first piece as a um, surface of uh, of uh, 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 Jupiter with some of its moons and, um, and won an award from it from my first time out <laughs> with the group. Uh, we had different challenge competitions and, and over the years. And, um, and then just, I suddenly was off and running and suddenly this, you know, and merging my ability to do um, space art with, with, this, with another medium and, and also now with the digital medium being able to paint as realistically and and expressively on the computer, and then to have that output as whole cloth, and then to do, uh, have the tactile experience of putting all of the um, design with, um, with thread is just an amazing thing to me. And so um, this is kind of, you know, where I, where I am now. And, and it's, you know, been very, very successful for me from uh, than any other uh, type of space art that I've ever done. So that's basically me.
3: Robin, (laughs) you you are amazing. And I just cannot believe all the things. um, You know, you're drawing with passion. You're combining things. You have such a deep appreciation for astronomy. And then in fabric, it, it blew me away because um, I, I understand fabric. That's not easy. And then making the fabric into a piece of artwork. Um, it's, it's not just anything you see. You, you see it from a distance. You're like, oh, I'm painting, but it, it's a little wobbly. It's like, no, it's not. It's, it's a little bit of 3D, but it's hanging on the wall. I saw that at the um, National Museum of the United States Air Force. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. It got really close. And I saw, man, there's, there's a lot of thread. And oh my gosh, it's a painting. <laughs> and it's a painting because when you, I, a painting in the sense that when you step away, it all, your, your eyes transition all that together into one. So there's a, there's a level of depth, abstraction. There is also accuracy. Uh, and it's just, I love it. It's an emotion for me. It's an emotional experience. Thank
2: you.
3: <laughs> um, and uh, I cannot imagine the noise that goes on with the, I, are you using, uh, what, what type of uh, sewing machine are
0: you using? Um, I'm using a Bernina, uh, Bernina, a Bernina 180 that my friend who was the art quilter who recently passed away, so I have the legacy of of her equipment that she sold me. And and, um, it's a special uh, um, machine that's made for doing very intricate uh, quilting and doing free motion. Basically, um, it's not just like running thread through a regular sewing machine, because when you do that, like you're sewing a piece of clothes or or something, the sewing machine goes in a straight line and there's basically a stitch regulator that, that, that is engaged when, when you're just doing regular sewing. When you're doing uh, free motion quilting, um, which is what I'm doing, you have a special quilt foot and basically there is no tracking from the machine. You're basically using the pressure of your hands, moving the fabric through the, the needle and your foot with the pressure that your foot has. And it's become kind of a Zen thing for me to um, and to be able to do this and know exactly how to regulate my stitches. Um, and it's very important when you compete your quilts in, in, in you know, uh, quilt shows, which I do, um, you know, to try to keep them as regular as you can. And I do different stitch lengths depending on what I'm, I'm trying to do, which is something that artistic quilting, uh, you're allowed that liberty that, that, you know, quilters who do t- traditional quilting, like you might have, you know, for bed quilts are different. But um, so that that is what and it's it's a little noisy with the machine, but it's not, you know, it's not bad. But I find that when I'm doing this, especially with a big piece like this, because this one is 39 by 40, um, that your shoulders get very tired and my neck gets very tired. And I, my husband literally has to yell at me sometimes because I have to, um, you know, I have to stop myself. So I try to do it in two hour hours sessions now when I'm working um, to try to not have the physical uh, consequences of, of doing this type of thing, um, which is, you know, and the same thing, like when you're painting at the computer or on your thing, you know, too much of anything at, at, at too much time is, is not necessarily good for you. So um, I've learned to, to pace myself really well now. So
3: Robin, the visual that I have is this. You have a foot pedal. So that's like a race car. You have your uh, Bernina, which is now your, I'm gonna call it Machine Gun Kelly, and then you're combining <laughs> art and astronomy all into one. <laughs> yep. You have a lot of superpowers. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I'll get a cape. <laughs> this is great. Wow, this is amazing. And we have a shout out from Janet. She, she is so happy uh, to have been welcomed as one of your guests here and um and really really find this amazing and if you haven't ever experienced face-to-face with uh robin hart's art um maybe maybe there is one time you could do a swoop i don't know if you're on instagram or do TikTok. that would be amazing
0: oh <laughs> Yeah. I'll, I'll have to think about that. I've i shied away from social media, but I think you know no, the way the way things are changing. I'm I'm probably going to have to <laughs> reevaluate I think, I think
3: that somewhere. I think you would create a movement, um, and not only not only a movement, but you know, if you have some, I don't know. When I when I think of something aggressive that way, you need the right music and the right tempo you know?
2: (laughs)
0: Well, I do, I do get inspired by space music. And so I have quite a collection of, you know, often when I'm, I'm working on either end on the, either on the computer end, or when I'm working with my, my quilt machine, um, I I like to be inspired, like to be inspired by that. And um, and in fact, um, we have a challenge, which is another uh amanda lee falkenberg who who is another one of our female uh musical artists in i has done a challenge called the moon's challenge and i'm just starting that and it's taking me time because i'm working on io and it's <laughs> and I'm, I'm still on the computer part so it's going to be a while before i get to my sewing machine
3: <laughs> wow i really thank you robin and this you're inspiring me i mean i i've sewn my mom's taught me how to about it so but I've never taken it and of course it's the it is the uh, mechanism that helps you but I, I'm thinking of man that's that's I I can't use my hand like that but I I really I I, I love it I love it thank you so much You're welcome <laughs> all right so um we we have the next artist she isn't here but her name is Barbara King and um I would like to a spotlight on her artwork this is awesome it's it is full of color and inspirational it's african space artists as mission specialists in i how, how do you pr- pronounce it F- anybody c2. c2 uh 2021 thank you um and this is it's beautiful it has a very earth's uh feeling i i I live here among a lot of uh uh, native americans and we have a very uh deep respect with astronomers here at um uh one of the observatories here at kitt peak so thank you so much and next up is thank you linda linda i'm so glad you're here she is there is one one of two people that make this international Linda Landers she she is calling in or streaming in all the way from the United Kingdom thank you and let me let me give you the your bio real quick and hopefully I'm not going to butcher any of these words I'm going to try my best Linda Landers says I grew up in her 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 for sure her United Kingdom and studied at Central State Martin School at, of Art in London, I have a master's degree from Kingston University. I am a fellow of the Royal Society of Painter, Printmakers and show my work regularly. I became interested in space during the Apollo mission in the 1960s when I was a child. I presented my school with a piece and my uh, space theme art on the 50th anniversary of the first steps on the moon. They have displayed my art next to the press photographers of the Apollo 11 crew. Thank you so much. Uh, I hand it off to you, uh, Linda.
10: Okay. um, well, I'm really glad I got here because um, someone invited me to an exhibition and it was awkward. Uh, I got back on time. So and and the exhibition, it looks fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, this piece um, is oil on canvas and uh, it was uh, done for a small, quite local exhibition based on um, Schrodinger's cat. But I thought I'd look more at black holes because part of those theories um, with quantum theory and everything goes into a black hole in the same way as it does to Schrodinger's cat. Uh, I'm not a mathematician. I was very good at mathematics at school, but I didn't take that route. So my mathematics is visual is this visual stuff that you're looking at here without any mathematical formulas. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to read you a very short explanation of what my thinking was on this piece. On the left of the painting is what we currently know, Uh, the possibility that matter changes according to us looking at it, bombarding it with photons. We know that some energy of the black hole leaves us radiation, what else happens leonard suskind in his theory of the holographic universe suggests that when entering a black hole the astronaut could be fried and that's the end of it or his imprint or hologram could be left in planks on the outside of the black hole on the horizon while the essential information that's him could enter the black hole unharmed as suggested by quantum mechanics the question is in the first scenario What happens to the information? I've painted the information as tiny squiggles. (laughs) Um, These suggest a type of energy we could simply call nothing at this point. This nothing could add to the ever expanding universe. That's my theory without any mathematics to back it up. Um, It suggested that at the singularity, time and space are altered within the black hole, as suggested by Stephen Hawking that they either crisscross or are completely warped. I've kept this to the right side of the painting in the area beyond human perception and experience as we know it in the area of the unknowable. So what I'm trying to suggest here is with the colors that are um, in the middle, they wouldn't actually be colors. This is an experience that would be completely inexplicable to us in terms of time and space of how we experience it. So by that looking like a mishmash um, there, I'm trying to say that this is something beyond our understanding of this solid object and it exists in this time and space, something that perhaps is beyond our reckoning, really. So um, we don't know. There are lots of theories. Some say ends at the event horizon and others say there is something beyond there. Um, We don't know where the information these squiggles go but i consider them to be part of what causes the universe to keep expanding so yeah this is a visual representation of a mathematical idea and physical idea um, which is the only way i could really try to explain the theory of a black hole <laughs> so, yeah
3: it is It is always artistic license to understand what is in a in the data or what folks talk about with a black hole. I don't Mm. think uh, people really know what. Thank goodness we don't live one one close, you know, (laughs) but. um, I can tell you that the artistic license to have people understand what the images and what it portrays and what we think it is today we know as time goes on we learn more and more and more and it
10: gets Mm. scarier
3: and scarier
10: who's trying to describe something that's not in our realm of time and space as we know it in terms of a 2d representation of a painting is a challenge in itself as you can imagine Um, but i found ways of um putting various uh, limits, this red line means that though you go into the black hole, there is also a coming out, which is the, these parts coming out and becoming part of the ever expanding universe that we're in. So I see black holes personally as possibly something that, that does take a tremendous amount of energy and information in but also adds somehow to the expand universe through certain types of, I won't call it energy, things that I've called nothing here that we don't have a name for as yet. Or a process okay. that we don't yeah. have a name for as yet. So I've tried to explain that paradox in there. And uh, I don't know if I succeeded, but <laughs> the... Um, it was great fun trying to figure it out (laughs) it is
3: it is Mm. something to study and and look at and understand the movement it's very dynamic um Mm. it gives us pause um it's pretty scary (laughs) um we're just we're just glad that um i'm just glad there's nothing close by uh, to, since a lot of us had, or the, uh, the speakers have talked about their uh, their youth yes. when they started. When did you start as an artist?
10: Well, um, I've always been an artist, really. Um, when I was at school, um, junior school we had an incredible um, head teacher called Mr. Chant. That's a very magical name anyway. And um, on a Friday, he used to take us for the painting class and uh, he used to say to paint straight from the brush, no sketching beforehand. And then at the end of every class, there was a show of hands um, and everybody voted me all the time. So I always used to win the competition. Uh, so after winning the competition forever, he said that it's time that you step down and let somebody else win. Um, and he also took us for choir um, some days. And um, there was uh, one time we had a special choir event and um, there was uh, somebody sitting in the middle of the audience, smiling at me. and. I I kept looking behind and it was definitely me that he was smiling at and I didn't know who it was. And that memory stuck with me and uh, I, I just couldn't figure out who this man could be. And I remembered that one of the teachers had been pointing me out to this person and saying how gifted I was and uh, that I was gifted in all areas. So, um, you know, I was just sort of shy and getting on with things. And... Uh, when I went to the school to present them with a piece of my work and said that, you know, you, well, the school hall was floor to ceiling in massive photographs of the Apollo mission at the time. And so we had these giant astronauts. And that was what I saw every morning when I went to school. And um, I had no idea we were being visited by astronauts. But It was it was totally inspiring. The whole thing was going on, you know, with the the Apollo. And we saw that on a big television at school. And uh, my brother was very into it as well. who was older than me. And uh, so after all those years, I I noticed that space was creeping into my art. And I thought, well, it's not it's not surprising, really, because of all this. I was surrounded by all this space Apollo stuff um, as a child. And my father was in, um, he, he worked on the Concord, so he wasn't quite in that, but he was still involved in flight in some way. And um, then when I went to the school on the anniversary, the 50th anniversary of the the Steps on the Moon, First Steps on the Moon, I took them a piece of um, artwork, an etching of, of somebody on a spacewalk with their pet rabbit also on the spacewalk with them in a little, you know, uh, space suit. And um, as I was leaving, they said, well, you know, we were visited by an astronaut. And anyway, it turned out it was Buzz Aldrin. So my <laughs> my 50 years of trying to figure out who this man was, suddenly, I just couldn't believe it. I just wanted to scream and run. and Tell everybody that it was Buzz Aldrin. I just couldn't believe it. You couldn't even make it up, you know. And uh, when they told me, I I didn't ask them who it was. And I went home uh, because we were planning to do the presentation of the artwork in the new term. Um, And um, I bought one of Buzz Aldrin's books over that Christmas holiday, um, a signed copy, And I still didn't know it was him. And I was doing a little wood engraving of Buzz Aldrin, believe it or not, coming in to the school, through the school, the trees. And I still didn't know that was Buzz Aldrin. And um, when I contacted them, um, I said to them, well, did you find out who it was that visited? And they said, oh yes, it was Buzz Aldrin. And I just, I was just in a state of good shock, if there's such a a word. And uh, I just thought, well, this is all, if I hadn't have made that step to actually go back to the school and give them an artwork, I never would have known that that was Buzz Aldrin that was was there. So uh, 50 years of doing a process of elimination of who it wasn't sitting in the audience right in the middle. And then it turns out that um, that that was the person. So, I mean, I was already on the trail, you know, of the art, uh, the the space creeping into my work, and I started to notice it was a little bit undeniable that this space influence was coming in. So um, I'm still doing my other art because I realise that I've got to keep that going, the non-space art, but I do put space into my art a little bit as well. And I actually had a film. Um, that was a poetry film that was shown at Sarchi Sachi um, Gum Factory many years ago. It wasn't a space film, but it was meant to be. But there was a really short deadline and I had to get this short film ready in three days from start to finish, um, which I did. And it was meant to have spacesuits and everything in it, but it ended up not having them. But actually it was um, meant to be uh, about how a person feels when they're away from home and they're in space. Uh, it ended up being shown there and it ended up being shown at a few other festivals in Norway and a few places as well. And um, I subsequently did a, a film MA at Kingston, but the, the, the space thing was always there, it was there. The thing is at that particular point, it was, um, I didn't have the, the space suit ready to actually be able to, to make it into a, into a spacesuited film. So it was there. It's always been there bubbling under the surface, trying to come up. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, it was, it was quite, quite amazing to find that it was um, Buzz Aldrin. And when I looked at the, the school head teacher with wide eyes, she said, we've got all the paperwork <laughs> and it's signed. <laughs> So I've been asking her if I can have copy. <laughs> so far, I haven't got a copy, but um, yeah. So, so yeah. So it sort of feels as if um, I should be involved in space art, and I am. Uh, I'd like to do more. Um, it's it's you know incorporated into my main work, but I'd like to do more. And it's just finding the time to do everything to a certain degree and uh, you know, I think just forward is the only way to go with, with it really. And I think this exhibition looks absolutely fantastic, the virtual exhibition, stunning. Yeah, yes. thank you and very we, much.
3: Thank you. And we have someone that made a comment and said, Linda, your explanation of thinking for this painting was quite illuminating and fun to listen. good
10: and i hope it helps some mathematicians to actually get the formula um, and a further formula and to actually figure out some of those things because they are the ones that and the physicists who can actually look at that then and go yeah actually that's what's going on but this is how it works you know Mm -hmm. and this is what the nothing is we just found out
3: (laughs) and that's that's what I really like about our organization is that we create a lot from both spectrums of uh, tech, technical to fun, and then communicating of what it is and and creating creating a dialogue. Yeah. And, uh, I love it, absolutely love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And um, what time is it in the UK right now?
10: Um, it's uh, eleven minutes past seven in the evening. Not bad,
3: and um, I want to I want to tell you who our next speaker is. Thank you so much. Um, now she's coming from all the way from Malaysia, and it is not early. In, it's really really early in the morning, or <laughs> really late at night. Um, Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> her name. Uh, I I want to say her name is. I, I'm not going to say all the the names, but uh, Shah. Shahira, and yes. like, Shahira Stargazer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really love that, and I'm going to tell the folks about your bio. Um, I, I think you need like a, a cape because I really like that Stargazer, but it would give more of an emphasis of pioneering. Um, so, uh, Shahira uh, Stargazer, as she is popularly known is an astronomical artist and a dark sky advocate in Malaysia. Shahira uh, started to gain the attention of the international organization through her beautiful and accurate astronomy artwork and was subsequently accepted as a member, of course, by IAAA and that's our organization, aside from her artistic prowess, Shahira is also an advocate for dark skies in Malaysia. She strives to spread awareness of astronomy and the importance of dark skies through her passion in astronomy and drawing. So I would think that you're up late at night so I don't feel so guilty. So please welcome, please tell us about yourself and tell us about your painting.
11: Thank you so much. First of all, I would like to express my gratitude to AIAA Michelle and Ken, for this amazing opportunity for me to participate in an international virtual exhibition with the other amazingly experienced lady space artists, I'm truly humbled to have my art featured in the Women in Space exhibition. Thank you so much, and so glad to see all of you here <laughs> live. Though no, I'm streaming from Malaysia at three thirteen a.m. I'm oh. sorry if I look slightly um, sleepy or, you know, I look not interested. I'm not actually not interested. I'm just, <laughs> it's just very early and I'm a morning person, just imagine that. <laughs> so um, I'm a relatively new member of IAA. Um, I joined uh, just like Patty uh, last year, uh, in early last year, and currently the only representative from my country I grew up in a rural part of Malaysia specifically at the foothills of tropical rainforests far away from the glow of city lights my childhood filled with um, nights of starry dark sky and watching fireflies I fell in love with astronomy when I was seven years old as well as making arts like all children would children love to make arts so uh, I was I was that a child, <laughs> I spent my days cutting newspaper excerpts and waiting for monthly science magazine to arrive my village every month so that I can gather information about astronomy, such as galaxies, nebulas, and about our solar system. So since I'm living in a rural area, it's so hard to get all those um, magazines, books. So I'm waiting for um, newspapers every day and look through every pages if there's any Galaxy images featured uh, in the newspaper. I also gathered my friends in the village and taught them about the wonders above. We don't have the opportunity to learn about astronomy formally, and we don't have the uh, programs uh, conducted by school because it is so deep. uh, uh, It's not so deep in the forest, but you can say that it is at a foothill. So um, the teachers there uh, teach what is necessary but uh, not really much opportunity on learning about stars, about our universe. Um, So I became the person who delivered that knowledge to my fellow friends. And that time I was 10 years old. But currently I'm living in Malaysia's second busiest city. So you can imagine the amount of light pollution affecting the night sky, filtering out the lights from the dimmer stars. And currently I'm feeling lost and out of touch from the starry night skies. I spent nights um, thinking about how, when I'm at the village, I can go and uh, stargazing, but now I can't, because if you can hear right now, there's a sound of a motorbike. Yeah, that's how close I am to the to the highway. So my, I don't have a quality night sleep, so... I turned to arts in expressing my passion towards uh, stargazing, uh, towards astronomy, and bringing awareness about light pollution and dark sky. I still miss the nights of stargazing and uh, watching fireflies being curious child. But she's still here, in here, with me, and I'm expressing that inner child within myself through um, visual arts uh, and making space arts. Um addressing astronomy and art extrinsic- extrinsically is a relatively new thing in Malaysia actually. And um, it is uh, something different. Being a space artist as a profession and career is something different. And I became the first uh, Malaysian to actively involve in the world of space art, contributing to planetariums, observatories, space and astronomy clubs, light pollution and dark sky advocacy in this field. I'm currently combining arts, astronomy, uh, light pollution and dark sky advocacy, as well as education in my journey as a space artist. I am also an educator, uh, so that's where the education part comes, and all these without formal education in art, self-teaching myself for years, and high school astronomy classes. And about this painting, um, on 3rd January of 2021, Leonard Comet was discovered by Gregory Leonard at the Mount Lemmon Observatory, and it is dubbed as the brightest comet of 2021. At the end of last year, we were able to see Leonard Comet at its most glorious point, the eye and tail of the comet appeared complex with knots and streamers and bluish-green glowing nucleus. Uh, that time, I was at the local observatory with the other local astrophotographers and astronomers on December 24th when the comet was still displaying its outburst uh, in this ion tail, which is absolutely breathtaking. All of the telescopes were pointing towards a visitor from the interstellar space. And as all eyes uh, on the comet, I witnessed the astronomical passing of my lifetime. I went back home, spent the whole night creating the image of, uh, of the art, this image in my head and thinking how, um, what kind of art I would produce out of the experience and emotions at night. So to commemorate their memories of a deep space visitor, Leonard Comet, to our solar system, I produced an art series entitled Memories of Leonard using watercolor medium on paper. And this is one of the artwork, which is, which is called All Eyes on You. I implemented Van Gogh art style into the art pieces which can be recognized through the bold grammatic brush strokes that express emotions and added feeling of movement in the seemingly static night sky. The colors chosen for the background sky emphasize that dark night sky is not entirely pitch flat. This shows that in the darkness we can see more and the main subject which is the Leonard comet itself is visualized as a fiery streak of light crossing the night sky which is an artistic expression of the real thing. As we have witnessed from uh, many shots taken by the strophotographers, uh, the comet displayed spectacular outburst-induced ion-tail structure, which in my opinion, is best depicted incandescently in every art pieces. And one of it is this one. As the ultra-fast landed comet began to disintegrate recently, and is currently missing its coma and nucleus, And this art illustrated the comet's blazing days across the terrestrial night sky and the deep emotions I experienced while observing the once-in-a-lifetime visitor.
3: Shariah, you are the Shariah Van Gogh of Malaysia. (laughs) I am so excited. to see what was what's in front of me you're using the composition to communicate a lot of people know Van Gogh they look at it they examine it they want to draw more attention what what is you know what what is your inspiration and all these things being a pioneer at the age of 10 oh there's no pressure there's no pressure um, i love it being that role model you will be able to inspire young girls your age in your country i i i can't hear an accent <laughs> so english is my third language but i forgot my other two well but i wow i i'm in awe and i just love that you're an educator you com- communicate about the dark skies yeah living in a traffic area i can imagine that you are hungry for Star stargazing and you live through your your art to see it and um, I am in total awe um, and um, I, ca- I don't know if I should say good morning or good night
11: <laughs> morning because I slept for one hour and now I'm awake so good morning <laughs> good morning <So> everyone <laughs> you are a beautiful
3: woman and I'm so grateful that uh, you bring forward the other side of our earth and uh, truly, an international organization, and uh, bringing bringing us all together with the uh, with the understanding of of technical and art and communication, um, we we love it. Thank you, and uh, Thank looking you, forward
11: to, looking forward to seeing more. <laughs> yes, wow. I'm planning to paint more space art. <laughs> so. and, and the piece that is behind you is that your artwork. Yes, this one is my watercolor moon series, and wow. uh, there are four artworks as well, just like this one, um, memories of planet. Uh, so there are four artworks for this one as well, and four artworks for it, the moon series as well.
3: Wow, I love it. I look forward to seeing more. Um, <laughs> I'm in I'm in total awe. There's there's a lot of emotion and expressionism, and the the choices of colors um i I, that's what i see with all of us we're just constantly uh challenging our eyes and uh putting forward of what to communicate with the public this is awesome thank you thank you so much um so the next person is is me and i'm going to keep it nice and short because i've been talking all the time and i don't want to get hoarse. um so uh just real quick, um, my name is Michelle Roush. I am an engineer, illustrator, and artist that tries to capture the emotions of people living and working in the thriving, rich aviation and aerospace world on Earth and beyond. I'm also an AIAA fellow and a member, artist member of IAAA. And combined together, I would say we're I's and A's times two. So, <laughs> and um, I, I I try to strive to to combine the technical with uh with the arts, and also what I try to capture is more in combining the passion and the romance, and that's why I use metallic paint. Uh, you can see this piece; um, it is titled "Golden Inspiration." Golden Inspiration, um, it was debuted at a red carpet event um, this past January in the Beverly Hilton where I was able to meet the astronauts and there, there are three of the four signatures. So the artwork depicts a moment of SpaceX Inspiration4 capsule and the nickname of the capsule is Resilience and it splashed down safely to Earth uh, at the Atlantic Ocean on the uh, Florida coast. Now, during that time, and why that ocean does not look like an uh, the blue ocean is because the angle of the sun made the ocean reflective, and it was really cool to use different uh, different pens of and paint of metallic silver, and trying to get that reflective mirror. And of course, when I sealed it, it got dull. So <laughs> that stinks um, because you're trying to keep the, uh, the metal, so I had to use different uh, paints and then seal it, and then it it, it allowed you know I did the um, the acrylic paint uh, was covered. So I used um, multi medium, and I was able to figure out and this is not easy trying to figure out how to use watercolor without having a piece of glass in front of it because when you have a piece of glass, you just see the glass and there's some reflection and maybe you see the art. So. Now I've figured out how to create watercolor, and we should have a workshop with uh, watercolorists and uh, create it in a way so I can um, display it without a piece of glass. Um, so this artwork was the inspiration of the billionaire. His name is Jared Isaacman. So Jared Isaacman, um, he did a fundraiser for St. Jude Hospital. And I'm like, that crazy guy. <laughs> Not only does he have the money to go into space, but he wants to create a fundraiser to have a moment in time. So um, he used this platform, which is going into space with SpaceX. And um, he had uh, Haley Arsenal and Chris Zimbroski and Dr. Siân Proctor. And I know Dr. Procter. Proctor. Um, and so Jared Isaacman wanted to have a moment in time, just like what we're doing right now, uh, of having an all women's space art art exhibition virtually. Um, So he sealed a moment in time being the first all civilian space flight with four crew uh, members that represent the pillars, leadership, hope, generosity, and prosperity. And he raised $210 million. (laughs) Talk about crazy. I just, I just love it. And um, the one, one of the astronauts, uh, Haley, uh, she's actually a bone cancer survivor from St. Jude's. And she has a prosthetic. Not only did she survive, she was now an astronaut to raise money for St. Jude. And she has a prosthetic. I'm like, and she was the youngest. There's too many firsts, way too many firsts. Um, there was another uh, astronaut from Blue Origin that uh, was uh, 23 years old, and at the time that Haley went up, that it, it, not really too far, long ago, it's uh, a long time ago, September 16, 2021. <laughs> so she was 29 years old, and she remains still the youngest uh, American who has orbit the earth so uh, we love people to break those records we want we want kids to be excited and uh, people who have done children's books and talking with kids and getting them excited about our our world of of understanding uh, this this space world or astronomy Um, we communicate through art and getting them excited and uh, a lot of people they a lot of kids they want to go into space so um and before I go to uh, the next art, I want to tell you that I consider myself a born artist. I say, I say I'm a trained engineer, but I'm a born artist. <laughs> so uh, you will see in my engineering notebooks, portraits of speakers because I got to remember them. So um, sometimes I'm embarrassed. So I have to put sticky notes over their faces because I have to talk to someone about my engineering notebook. I'm like, oh crap, that doesn't look like I'm paying attention. And I didn't when I was a kid, and I made sure that my son didn't know until I was in college, or he was in college. And and he's like, yeah, yeah, the figures, you know, he knew better. He knew that mom was crazy and fun and a lot of passion. And he, the door is not locked, so who knows if he's gonna come in? Um, he's here for dinner, uh, or lunch. We're at lunch, so you can see this this thing right here, which is a SpaceX. Um, there, this is a a costume artist in um her name is Melissa and she lives in Phoenix and we as an AIAA Tucson section we inherit we we bought uh this as a STEM outreach and you know when kids see art and they see rockets and they see figures you can get them really excited or books or poetry or music something that just indulges brings them all together thinks that we can move us to the next level what we're trying to do is move us to the next level keep moving that dial and get get always excited and keep growing and that's just all i want to inspire the the viewers and uh the everybody who's on online or streaming so enough about me let me introduce uh the next person and if we could Go to Daniela Rose, and she—I don't think she could have uh, made it. Uh, but but I want to give her a moment and offer this beautiful piece of artwork—the STS 133 launch. And those are—that is not fun to make. I made that. Anybody who has made that launch pad, I—I I made a launch pad, and it was painful. I had to put a timer on, just like one hour a day, like Robin, you were saying about. Um, Uh, giving yourself time Uh, I started not liking this launch pad and I thought this feels like homework so I I like the smoke put the smoke on top so you don't don't have to bury yourself with all that detail I could there's I I didn't want to get too expressionist in that because people will like well these are rails and they have to be in place I'm like yeah so I really love the color composition, the dynamics, the pull, the, the movement. So uh, thank you, Daniela Rose. So the next one, she is traveling right now. She is one of our astronaut artists and uh, traveling. She's going across country. She's not in outer space, but we always think of her as our, she is our first artist in space that drew in space, not just, not just first artist, she actually drew in space. And so um, more power girlfriend to make this happen and more, let's get more artists in space to draw. I, I don't know what watercolor happens, but if it's in a pen and it's, you know you're gonna press down, it's gonna look a little bit easier because we know that if you have those little things, people, they don't want it in the wrong place. So I love that um, Nicole Stock. She offered us the wave, you know, this is the wave and it's wonderful. And she creates this beautiful dynamic movement. And I've seen her art. She she has a, a really 3D effect on, on her artwork. This is a, I, I wanted her to talk about it. I'm wondering if she created this in space. So, <laughs> because it, it's, a, it's a sketch and it probably was quite difficult. I was wondering, if you're on a plane like in the vomit comet and you're trying to make a drawing and you're trying to, you know, everything is moving the wrong direction because for every action, there's an equal opposite reaction, right? So if one moves one way that you're trying to fight. So I'm, I'm glad I don't have that problem, but we will probably want to ask her more about this. Um, we will know soon um, from her, but that's uh, personally. Uh, This is a, I I just love that she created this, uh, created artwork in space, and I I created a um, portrait of Nicole Stott, and it's called Astro Nicole on Mars, and she's painting her artwork on Mars, so um, thank you, Nicole. So the next person, if I could also introduce, this would be uh, Priscilla Thomas. So she created this also dynamic piece of, as if it, it's very dangerous to be underneath the rocket motors, but this is how the fumes and everything and all that fire would be coming at you, defiance. Exactly. This is a, a very dynamic piece and very dangerous and only artistic license to think of that vantage point of how it would feel of something, of course, blowing at you and God forbid, but. That's why we're artists. We can create a new vantage point to say, this is where you're at and this is how it looks. And there's no camera that could be in this setting and the fire and the the movement in this. And I really thank Priscilla Thomas for offering this. And I would think that the piece behind her of Mars, and I really like that um, combination of dark and colors and it really illuminates her face with her portrait that is awesome it reminds me of all the um astronauts uh the apollo astronauts when they had the big moon next to them like well we have priscilla thomas and we have her in front of mars so she is now on mars (laughs) this is great uh and then after that i think is this is this could be our final artist last but not least, Lucy West. Lucy lives in the Northwest and she is in Idaho. And um, let me tell you a little bit about Lucy West and her bio before she speaks. So West creates fine art infused with the elegant science that makes up the phenomenal mechanics of our world and universe. Her wish is to inspire others to look up at the night sky or look deeper into the inner workings of nature and through the creative process, explore how and why. With over 40 years of as a professional artist, Lucy's works have been exhibited in notable venues such as NASA's LCC and Kennedy Space Center, U.S. House of Representatives, Biosphere 2, in Oracle, Arizona, Lowell Observatory Gallery collections worldwide. Her space and science compositions are popular in aerospace and science communities and collected by astronauts, astronomers, and scientists. She's a member of the IAA. Please, please welcome uh, Lucy West,
6: you're on. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michelle, Ken, A-I-A-A, thank you so much for making this happen. After listening to all these wonderful artists' stories and explanations, I'm just in awe and humbled to be present in this group of women. And it's really interesting because I've been a self-taught artist my whole life. The only art classes I ever took were in high school. I've never gone after workshops or, you know, art classes or anything like that, and I, this is the first all-female exhibit I've been involved in, and I'm so proud. It's space. We're we're talking space. We're promoting space and all that it benefits our life here on our Earth. What that gives back to us by looking out and exploring, you know, and how that comes back to us in really beneficial ways. And that's kind of what th- this piece that I submitted is kind of talking about that, but. I have a great interest in our ancient ancestors, thinking of them roaming this world without light pollution, without all the, you know, futuristic um, complications that we experience. And and interacting with their world and the night sky and wondering what's going on out there. They don't have the knowledge that we have now, you know? So it's these ancient people that started these quests just by looking up and creating stories that, you know, the constellations have folklore around and stuff like that and get passed down generation to generation. I chose uh, the pillars of creation to kind of communicate all this because it is these amazing, phenomenal um, objects out in space, these hot gases, these nebulas that become these star nurseries. And once a star is created, then you have the potential for solar system. And then from that, you have the potential for life. That's what happened here in our own solar system. And so it was because of, you know, these hot gases out there and all these dynamics coming together to create this perfect scenario for us to have this world, this phenomenal world that we live in that supports life, you know? And so all my years of enjoying astronomy and you know I do a lot of personal research on space and all the objects that I'm interested in and spend I just saturate my life with it and I've noticed over the years what's happened you know my focus has been out there for so long and as I get older it's coming back to this world and I'm I'm just so in awe of how beautiful our planet is and all that it gives us there's no other planet like it that we know so far and hopefully in my lifetime our lifetime you know we'll get the opportunity to to see an exoplanet out there that is very much like our our planet i sure hope so but um yeah this is this is this this one painting is this sort sort of like collects all my different interests and puts it into one storyline and so we're we're in the the ancient past and our species is walking forward into the future, to go, you know, generation by generation, find more and more information about our place in the universe. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my story. Um, my past, uh, my career, I art is all I've ever done. I I, start, I actually had a, a business when I was fifteen years old, doing uh, commissions, and it just sort of bloomed from there. And so um, that's why I just, you, I, I was going to go to art school and pursue, you know, traditional path toward uh, becoming a professional artist, but it just seemed to kind of map itself out all on its own. And so by the time I was 18 and I graduated and uh, I was living in Kentucky at this time and I was free to go make my own life. So I, ch- I chose to go to Daytona Beach, which was really close to Kennedy Space Center, and that's That's where I got introduced to space exploration and astronomy. And that's really when it all took off is when I was in my late 20s. And, uh, you know, it started to show up in my artwork. And then some people that worked at Kennedy Space Center uh, heard about me and came looking for me and started commissioning fine art pieces for their dignitaries. And that's kind of how I got into this vein of space art and making it a a career path. Uh, I do all... Other kinds of art always have because you have to if you're going to survive. So, you know, murals, logos, you name it, uh, album covers, just other, fine art subjects that don't relate to space. But I always sneak a little bit of astronomy in my pieces, you know, just because it's, it's, it's in me and that's what comes out. Um, but, yeah, that's that's sort of my background and why I chose this piece to submit for this exhibit.
3: Wow. I tell you. Looking at your art, now I also have seen your art for quite some time. Um, you're one of the most uh, grounded folks that I know, and seeing how you interpret DNA, seeing how you interpret the you know the cosmos, seeing how you integrate the past and the future. Um, it's and and that. Ha- it generates an emotion. It's like, where, where am I going? What, what is the message? And the message is, you know, it's like, yeah, this, this, it's artistic license that we can do that. We can put something. It's not a photograph, but a lot of people they they need to understand. It's like, no, it, let's bring it, let's bring it to earth. And um, I love it. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> um, Thank you. It's yeah, this. It, it, this isn't easy to integrate this and um every, every single one of you i I absolutely am in awe one one thing was you know collecting all the emails and collecting all the images I'm like and and you know reading the bios I'm like but the interpersonal experience to hearing you guys to to have it voiced is very different than just a, it's a different experience of course when you read things in a book uh but that this is something that we offer, and I'm very grateful that it is recorded, and we're offering something for all of us to see. And I never like the way I speak. No, so I'm gonna re- I'm gonna see it maybe maybe once. Um, <laughs> and um, we are we are now the cosmic sisters, right? And uh, we can do it without our cosmic brothers. Because combined yes. together, we can do things together. We, we, we can't just stand alone. We stand together. And together we strive. And they they want us as strong as them. And that's why our Cosmic Brothers support us. Embrace them. Teach them. Tell them our stories. And they're like, man, I did not know. Sometimes just a pause. like, Or we would say man i have that same problem but we never think that if they're the opposite it's like no we're all the same we're just dealing with problems differently sometimes there's a collection sometimes we're all different (laughs) like an interpretation of you know if we all had uh an assignment and we would say okay draw the moon a lot of us would maybe maybe draw something Maybe it's the moon, maybe what is our interpretation of the moon? So a lot of things are beautiful in the artistic level because we have not journeyed there yet. And all of us are different. So collectively we're under the same umbrella of space genre and we love that people don't know. So we learn about what's going on in science and we create, we keep creating. I, I can't stop creating. So I, I am so grateful. So um, I would like to open this op- uh, up to uh, our guests and open the mics, I, I believe, or I don't know how we're gonna do it. Uh, Ken, so if someone could maybe raise their hand. I, I'm not familiar with the Zoom session. I'm so glad. Ken, you're doing, You're dry, you're the driver and I, I talk with my hands, I can't use the mouse.
1: <laughs> so I will yeah. be muted. So I do can... Aldo have something to say.
5: Hello, hello. Um, can you guys hear me?
0: Yes.
5: yes. I wasn't sure hello, if I was unmuted. Uh, yeah. Wow, what a fantastic program. I'm so proud of all you guys, the Cosmic Sisters, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just a, a great program. I just wanted to uh, uh, thank Michelle for all your hard work and leadership. I know it's not easy to herd the cats, be they male or female. Cats, or cat herding is, uh, is not easy. So, uh, good for you. And thanks to Ken. Uh, you know, we really appreciate your endless and steadfast support uh, of the IAA. And, uh, you know, on this program and other programs you've hosted with us, and uh, we certainly hope to continue that. So uh, very inspiring. Wow, just to hear all of of your individual stories. And it's great how everyone has come into uh, space art from a a different direction, but we're all here as part of the tribe. So it's uh, very inspiring. Well done, everyone.
10: Thank you. It's fantastic. Thank you.
11: Thank you.
3: Thank you so much. And Ken, do you think anybody from the attendees would like to uh, uh, voice and uh, offer something? So I I would like to-
1: Paula also have her mic unmuted.
4: Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Well, so I've been working on space, in space. Well, I haven't been in space, but (laughs) I like to dream about it. Um, I don't know, decades, maybe 40 years now. And so um, this really, um, I was just absorbing this. I think this is fabulous. Um, And I, um, I took some notes, but of course I can't really, a lot of it, a lot of the things you captured so many aspects of our of human experience of space, not necessarily being in space, but of course that's involved, but just our connection with space. Um, one of the things I, I wrote down in the notes was the early painters on earth, um, even starting with the cavemen, you know, observing earth, whatever they found. Uh, and um, how humans relate have related to our environment. Oh, I'm remembering one of the things I wanted to mention. I don't know if I can find it. Um, and so, you know, now we're going into space and I hope I'm writing a book about Mars right now. And I'm, I like to think that when humans get on Mars, they will have a whole appreciation for it, and perhaps a new perspective of Earth, um, and that this should be captured in an artistic way because it's different than scientific. It's different than the facts. It's more about how these things affect us as human beings, whether the, it's the scenery or the experience or, um, you know, stepping on the moon was such a big thing for the world. I remember that day vividly you know newspapers from around the world there was a there was an exhibit of the newspaper coverage around the world i remember i saw this in washington dc when we first uh circled the earth and saw the moon for the first time so i just see this as the next step for us as humans and 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 looking at the artwork and the imagination and how we as humans are relating to it It's just magical. And all of you artists are incredible capturing both the fact and the imagination.
7: Well said, thank you.
3: Thank you so much. That is so beautiful. And I think Earthrise was Apollo 8 uh, when it happened. I, I think that's when the photograph of Earthrise and having an understanding of like, oh, that's home.
4: Yes, our first image uh, of of the
3: planet that we live on. And the way I see a photograph, photographs are very important because it helps me understand what to draw. It captures a moment of time and how I see all this art and art all around us is that it's capturing an emotion, the soul or something that gives us to ponder and pause and understand what that art is telling us and it doesn't necessarily have to have a description it has to give us a feeling Mm -hmm. and it's it's wonderful and uh joe thank you joe stark um that's very sweet um so anybody else that would like to offer
7: yeah
1: i think dr aj kosari raised (laughs) hand
2: yeah hi hi oh thank you for a uh, great but i'm actually from in Washington DC, watching you guys, this is really, really great. Um, I have this uh, observation that I've been, I, you know, I would like to say, which is that um, how art is very much part of space, and just that uh, um, uh, this Permian, Calabrian, Cretaceous, all these extinctions that took place on Earth over the last billion years or so, and then So many species were wiped out, but they all came, many of them came back or new new ones were formed. Uh, But we realized that none of them ever uh, were, you know, thought about clothing themselves. And humans were the only ones that even clothed themselves, which means to me is not that we are superior, but that we have a special responsibility to all the life forms on earth and maybe even the universe and that responsibility cannot be handled only by rocket scientists and scientists only but everybody on this earth scientists and authors and artists everybody has to all work together to to be uh, to have to take that uh, place and that's why i think that art and other aspects of i'm actually a rocket scientist but I also paint and actually some of my um, paintings are going to be exhibited next month in uh, New York Art Expo uh, but um, uh, that uh, what is important is that we all scientists and artists and, and authors and poets and everybody needs to take this next step forward which is the third dimension which is the space and the third dimension, or of the evolution next. And so I think I'm very, very, very glad and very hopeful and very thankful uh, that uh, we all are working together, ladies and men, everybody, need, and hopefully other life forms, that we are all working together on this. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you, too. It is very important to collaborate and understand and work together. I want to share what uh, Ken is offering in front of us. A lot of people don't know this, that high school members, sixth grade and up, worldwide, sixth grade and up, uh, before college, of course, sixth to uh, 12th grade, kids can join AIAA.org for free. For free. This, is, this gives them that little edge to say, oh my gosh, these are their rocket scientists? Yes, these are the real rocket scientists. They are trying to figure it out. And there's a lot of information available for uh, kids to learn about aerospace. They can join for free. So it's AIAA.org. And then also educators. Um, Those are the teachers. They all can join AIAA for free. So if you're a teacher at a school, homeschool, Um, It is wonderful. There's a lot of uh, tools that they can pull down from from, uh, their membership and uh, teach teach a workshop. Um, It is a a great opportunity for them. Uh, Professionally, I have belonged uh, since uh, 2008. Um, I found my home with them. um, And I found my home with IAAA when I met um, Robert McCall. And he was exhibiting his artwork at Edwards Air Force Base. And they said, you live in Tucson? Do you know Kim Pour? I'm like, no, they introduced me to Kim Pour. I joined. <laughs> so these the, for me, this blends the, the, my engineering and art. And I use my art to help my engineering, as well as my engineering helps my art. But the, this organization is amazing. and. Um, I I just wanted to share that with the educator associates that they can join for free and uh, and if you're a student college student it's I think Ken is it twenty five dollars when they're in college um, per year could be so it it offers them uh, opportunity to still a network it's thirty thousand members worldwide. Um, it's a great way to uh, network and understand what other organizations are doing. Um, we have exhibited IAA work with AIAA. So say that 20 times fast. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we've integrated an exhibit. Uh, we, were, we were trying to do it again with Ascend, but uh it happened twice in a row that it was virtual and it's exhausting this this is the first virtual um uh all women's uh event it's different if your expectation is to go face to face and then say no it's virtual that's that's entirely different feeling this was designed to be virtual to connect everybody nationwide it's a lot of money to fly and we don't want to do that right now but uh, this uh, platform gives us a voice. And the voice is on March National Women's History Month and we're marking history. And I really am so grateful for everybody to come together, to hear everybody, hear their stories, their inspiration, and the troubles that they have faced creating the art. And sometimes you have to make it again. there's mistakes, Um, and that's called lessons learned. So anybody else with last words?
1: Uh, I think Robin, yeah.
0: Oh, I just, um, I didn't get to, I just, for comparison from 35 years ago when, when I joined IAAA, I found out about IAAA through a PBS special with some of the founding members. And at that time I thought I was like alone in the universe doing all the space art because in college I was not, um, i was let's say I was, I was a unique character and I more likely, um, I kind of hung with the astronomy department rather than the art department because people thought what I was doing was so strange. But um, when I finally saw that show, I cried because I said, my God, there's other people in this world who, who feel and do the things that I do for a reason. And um, it took a little bit of—we had no internet in those days—and it took a little bit of a little um, bit of finagling to contact one of the members who I think was Joel Hagen. And it was kind of onward for there for me. So I just wanted to give a little shout out to that.
3: So cool. Anybody else? This is, this two hours went too fast.
1: <laughs> I see <think> Sharia.
11: <laughs> I just wanna say thank you so much. And this is an I can't wait to tell uh, people of my country, Malaysia, that I am, I am participating in this. My art is featured among the other amazing lady space artists. And I am actually holding this um, huge responsibility as the ITRA member, the only ITRA member in Malaysia, and also the first space artist who actively educate uh, the public about astronomy and arts. And this is huge. And I want I want them to be proud of uh, how how far will Malaysia goes in this field.
3: And I want to give a give a hug to everybody for coming and joining us. And I really appreciate. It.
7: Yes, Patty. Oh, yes, Michelle. Again, I just want to say thank you, thank you to everybody who made this happen. It's really important, and I see that now after listening to everybody. And I just want to go paint now. Thank you. <laughs> it inspired me. Anybody else?
3: Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank uh, AIAA again to carry the entire session. Uh, this is wonderful. I look forward to um, uh, next time of another event somewhere else, some other time and um, keep keep moving and keep growing and keep painting. Um, thank you everybody. I really appreciate it. Take care
10: Thank now. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you, Ray, IAA, and IAAA. Woo! Space Arts, sisters, go. Let's
3: <laughs> <There you> go. <laughs> Man.
0: Thanks again, Bye.
7: everybody. Thank you. How do I get
2: off?
3: Oh, mute. Thank you, Lou, for all that you've done. This is a wonderful opportunity for.